Thanks for listening to the podcast from Jonathan Combs and the preaching team at Eastgate Church in Rocky Mount, North Carolina. Check us out on the web at eastgate.church for more. And now, here's the sermon. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas Eve, I should say. Thankful that you're here this evening. We're going to do something that we only do a couple times a year. We're going to have a little time with the kiddos. That's why they're all in here. And so, if you want to, children, come down and hang out with me. I've got... We've got a story to share together. What's up, buddy? All right. Yeah, get some. Oh, full suit in the back. I didn't miss that. You're competing for my job, I see. What's up, Owen? see you in the back row there. All right. Very Baptistic of you there, Owen, to hang out in the back like that. All right. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2. Do y'all know what's in Luke chapter 2? No. 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 Uh... Take a guess. Anybody? What, why might we be reading Luke chapter 2 right now? Because it's Christmas. It's Christmas. So what are we about to read then if it's Christmas time? Jesus' birth. Jesus' birth. What's another, is there another place in the Bible where we could read about Jesus' birth? Well, we sort of did. Last week, when we were in the book of Matthew, we talked about it wasn't really his birth, but when he's a little boy and the three kings showed up, right? Did y'all hear about that at Children's Church while, over the last month? Yeah? Well, that, well we're going to remind you of a little bit of that right now, if you know, okay? Are y'all ready? We're going to read Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 14. Now, there's some big names in here. When you hear a big name... I just want you to go, ah! okay, are you ready? Or, I mean, listen to your heart, just go, woohoo, and whatever. Yes, I like big names. All right, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 14, are you ready? Okay, here we go, listen up. Can you see through my Bible like that? Verse 1, it says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Yeah, that's a big name. Y'all like that name, right? Quirinius? That's a good one. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. Would y'all be scared if a random angel just showed up while you was walking around? It'd be a little bit scary, right? Does my Bible taste good? That's, that's different. All right. Listen to your heart. So an angel shows up. It's amazing. He says, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. That's weird to find a little baby 
where they normally put like livestock. Isn't that kind of weird? Yeah, that's that's what they were. That was the sign. Livestock like cows and but lambs or you know different cattle. Lambs in this case. Verse 13, suddenly there was a multitude of angels of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Y'all like that story? No? Well, that's unfortunate. Okay. So there was a lot of characters in that story, okay? Do you remember some of the characters? What were some of the characters of that story? Well, Luke wrote it, but he's not in the story. David wasn't in the story, although the city of David called Bethlehem. Okay, so inside each of these is a character from that story. I've got six of them, all right? Which character do you think is in this box? Because just so you know, our series is called Rediscover Christmas. So we're trying to rediscover the mystery that was Christmas. Well, who do you think's in here? You think Jesus is in there? Mary? I think the angel. Maybe an angel? What do you think? A shepherd. A shepherd. Everything's in this one box? (laughs) Well, that's a a global answer. You're kind of right no matter what I open here. You ready? All right. Down, down. All right. I don't think anybody said this. Well, technically everything does fit this, but I've got... These guys weren't even there. So that's, that's tricky, right? Because they weren't even in the Luke 2 story. The wise men. Yeah, so we got three wise men. Yeah. Okay, 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 okay. That was a tricky one because it wasn't really, they came later. All right, who do you think's in here? Baby Jesus, angel. Mary and Joseph. His answer is always going to be right. You were right, Riley. Mary and Joseph. I said Mary. Okay. We're getting there. Let's see. Who's in here? This is Jesus. A lamb? Okay. I'm hearing a lot of Jesus. Jesus, are you in here? Baby Jesus. He's got a little, he's got a little button. It's interesting. Okay. Well, what's up with that, Jesus? All right. Who do you think's in this one? An angel. Um. I don't think he's supposed to be in this story. What's, what's he doing in this story? He, get out of here, Grinch. He's not supposed to be there. Okay, let's try again. Let's try again. Who's here? This is an angel. Everything. Okay. This is the shepherd and a lamb. Good job. Good job. Hey, when y'all go to move this later, it's going to be interesting. Putting that out there. Whoever's moving it. Okay. Last one. Angel? Got to be an angel, right? All right, awesome. Y'all remember the parts of the story now? We've got, well, these guys came later, right? But 
But we've got Mary and Joseph. We've got a baby in swaddling clothes. The angel shows up and scares those shepherds to death and says, hey, go and see. And sure enough, they find baby Jesus there. And the angels show up and sing. That's the story of Christmas. But it was weird that Grinch was there. Yeah, well, I don't think he was supposed to be there. I guess even the Grinch can celebrate Christmas. Fair enough? All right. Thank you so much, kids. Go back to your seats, and I've got, I've got treats for you. I've got treats for your family, too, if I have enough. I mean, for those, for those people who have a sweet tooth and want a candy cane. Or as Brielle calls them, candy cans. Candy cans. Okay. So thankful you're here with us this evening. Christmas Eve service together. Kind of bringing it a little more low-key. And we're going to talk just for a few minutes about this story. That It's a story I'm sure you've heard many, many times. And you, I don't know, this might be that, the time of year where you... Maybe you wonder, okay, what, what can I experience that would be new? <laughs> Some of you... Some of you have been on the earth longer than, uh, than me and, and maybe the rest of us, and you're thinking, well, what, what, what could I experience that's new this season? Well, I think going back to, to old famous stories, going back to things that are almost basic to Christianity can be very enriching, uh, can be very fulfilling. And the fact is, everybody loves a story. That's just, that's just true. Everybody loves a good story whether it's a movie you're watching or a book you're reading. Uh, but especially, I've found that people love, they love stories that are real and, are, and they're in. If you ever notice that, you, you're, some of your favorite stories are the ones that you're actually a participant in. It's fun to listen to other people's tales, right? But it's even more fun when people tell stories about you that are hilarious or, or you know, tell you in a good light. And the best stories, I think, are just worth telling over and over again. And something I've noticed about my kids, for instance, and I bet, I really bet your kids are the same way because I think people are this way. My kids love to hear stories of when they were little. They love, well, some of them are still little, but they love to hear like the birth kind of stories. Like, what was it like? And they want to hear all of those stories, right? And so for me, every one of my kids has kind of a unique story of, those, of those, that birth sequence. And so Nate, he likes to hear about the time and he was, a, he was kind of a mover from day one. And so the moment they, that he came out, they put him underneath that lamp, that hot lamp or whatever, and he rolled over. I don't think that's normal. I've, I've never heard of that before, but the boy tried to roll right off of that thing. And so he, he was a mover. Addie came out, real chunky, big fat cheeks, hair down her back. She loves to hear that story about little fatty, hairy Addie. And uh, she's not that way now. She's adorable. And Kenzie, how daddy, she was probably, she has always been the most trouble and is, was from day one and how I had to speed to get to the hospital on time because mommy said, my contractions are coming every 15 minutes. As soon as we got in the car, she's like, they're coming every four minutes now. And so I, I went extremely fast. I thought about calling John and say, hey, can I get an escort on this one? Um, but yeah, we about got a ticket on the way on that one. And then Brielle, who uh, I just about had to start charging rent on her because she didn't want to come out. She just she was good. She wanted to stay in. We had to induce that one. The only one we had to induce. She didn't want to leave the leave the house. So 
They all love, they love hearing those stories. And I bet your kids, they want to hear those stories over and over. My kids do this even to my parents. Like, tell us stories when my, about dad when he was little. And they want to hear those things over and over. That's, I think, what the Christmas story is all about. It's, it's a love story. It's a love story like those stories about our children. But we, we want to hear them over and over again. And what's great about it is it's the same kind of story. It's not something that happened outside of us. We're invited in. It's, it's just like the tales of when we were young. We're invited into this Christmas story because it's about us. It's about joy to the world, all a glory to God in the highest, and all men can be saved in this story. It includes you and I. And that's, I think, what's so wonderful about Christmas is it's about not just the birth of Christ, but our rebirth. It's about the good news come each and every one of us. And it shouldn't have been possible. (laughs) We should have been outsiders, and yet God did something miraculous for us. Christmas should never get old, amen? Never get old. We should be happy to tell it to ourselves beyond just tomorrow. We need to constantly remind ourselves of what God is, what He has done, and what He means to us, because it never gets old. And we need to hear it constantly. We need to remind ourselves that God loves us in spite of the circumstances we may be facing. It's not just a story about your past, my friends. It's a story about your present and your future. Y'all want to hear a good story? Let's look again at Luke chapter 2 that I just read to the children. Luke chapter 2, and what I believe we're going to see here in Luke's gospel is the Lord inviting these shepherds to come and be a part of Christ's story and how He's now inviting us too to be a part of of the story of God. And that this thing really mentions, this text really reveals three gifts found in Christ's story. And so let me share those with you briefly tonight. Three gifts from Christ's story we are invited to open. The the tricky part about Christmas is it's a gift to all humanity, but God doesn't unwrap it for us. We have to unwrap it. We have to choose to make it our own and believe it. We can leave it under the tree. We can leave it as a gift that God has given, but we have to unwrap it ourselves. So let's do that together. Here's the first gift that Christ's story invites us to open. That Christ's, Christ is a sacrificial gift. He is a sacrificial gift. Now a lot of what I'm going to dig into for the next few minutes is out of verses 10 and 11, where we see the angel saying, fear not. And, and, and the interesting thing is they appear to these shepherds, they spook them. If you go to just about any place where angels appear, whether it's Old Testament, New Testament, people are falling on their face, people are terrified. I would be the same. I'm jumpy. I'm just putting that out there. If somebody jumps at me in the night, I'm liable to swing. It's going to be my first, because I'm jumpy, I'm skittish. All right, and (laughs) I, I totally get with the shepherds, Daniel being one of those old prophets, many prophets of old, you'll see them falling on their face, And I I think it's hilarious if you could go back and just do a word study. You would see almost every time an angel appears, their first words are, fear not, because it's terrifying for something like that to show up in your life. Fear not, they say to the shepherds. Why? Because we've not come to share a tragedy with you. We've not come even like some of the prophets of old who got difficult information from us. No, we've come because the Messiah has come. Fear not for good news. That's what they say in verse 10. I bring you good news of great joy that is for all people. All people. And we're invited in. He's a sacrificial gift. Now why is he good news? Why is Jesus good news? 
Because I, I have witnessed this several times. It is miraculous to see a baby born. It is miraculous. It's amazing to see. And I'm, I'm thrilled on, on these Sundays where we have all the kids in here. And I know you're distracted. I get it. Like some of you more than others because some of you had a lot more than others. And you got a lot running around, all right? And it's miraculous to see all that go down. It's amazing to see a child grow up. But why is that good news for all people? Well, the, the only way that Christmas is good news for all people is if we include the whole story. The only reason that Jesus is that Savior, that He is good news to all people, is because of Easter. Christmas, it indicates, there's no getting around it, Christmas is great news because Christ came that we might be free. How? By His sacrifice. That's why He's good news. That Jesus would come, that God would become a man. And that's no small feat, because I've been, I've been walking on this earth for a little while now, and I've got to tell you, there's things about being human that are uh, not the greatest sometimes. I, I get tired more lately. I, I, wish I'd, I wish I didn't gain weight, you know. It'd be nice to just eat ice cream all the time. I know I've said this before. Heaven's going to be a place where ice cream makes you have muscles. I know it. Or maybe it makes you fly. I don't know. But it's difficult to be human. There's, there's so many things we're, we need. We're, we're, we're a thing that needs to be sustained. And God doesn't need anything. And yet He became a man. On our behalf. And now, there's some aspects of this story that are, are somewhat political, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but Caesar's here taking a census. This is all part of the prophetic word of, of, the, of, of the Bible. And so there's this political situation, and there's the messianic claim here just in these verses. Luke's very careful to remind us that Joseph is going here for the reason that he is of the house of Judah. That's important because the king is coming in the line of Judah. Matthew has a different thing where he talks of the lineage of Mary such that we would know no matter which way you look at Jesus, He is the King prophesied. The lineages are important. They might be difficult for you to read, but there's a reason they're there. They're there so to remind us that Jesus is the very King, the very Messiah that's been promised. And He's not born, he's not born in some kind of palace. No, He's born in a manger where they should be keeping baby lambs. They should be keeping, in fact, Passover lambs. A lot of research has been done on this particular area to, to figure it out. And I want to pop up an image for you for just a moment. There's a place there near where they believe the Messiah was born called Migdal Eder. It's a watchtower in Bethlehem, likely where Jesus was born. And that particular place is significant because these shepherds were tasked with a very specific task. To, to take care of the Passover lambs. Not just, not just the lambs you would get in market, but no, this specific type that would go first to the temple to be sacrificed. And the only way that you could have this type of creature, it had to be completely without blemish. So it couldn't have spots of black or whatever. It couldn't have bruises. So it's not unusual so much that we would swaddle a baby. We do that even now. But what's interestingly about this story is what they swaddled him with was most likely what they would swaddle a baby lamb in. And the manger where he was laid is where you would normally put one of these Passover lambs. So the very fact of the, the, the manner in which he was born indicates sacrifice. Because those, those creatures were born for the purpose of sacrifice. So was Christ. So was Christ. 
That's the good news of Christmas. That's why they come saying, hey, look, glory to God in the highest. Look what he's done. John the Baptist even recognizes this as well. In John chapter 1, verses 29, it says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Rediscovering the true Christmas story, we see that the cradle always points to the cross. It's good news because Jesus took on our shame and our guilt. And we don't have to stay there. Having received that, we can now have the character of Christ in us. Here's the second gift. First, he's sacrificial. The second gift is that Christ is relational. He's relational. Notice the words here in verse 10 once more. It says he was born for all, good news for all the people. And it goes on to say, unto you. Look at that in verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David. That's the angel speaking to the shepherds there, but I have no doubt that he intends that you to go carry on until today. I have no doubt that God's saying that to you tonight, to me tonight. Unto me, Jonathan, unto you, church. The Savior has been born. And he wants more than just church attendance. He wants more than just that you would commit. Okay, I tell you what, I'll come out on Christmas Eve. I bet y'all have other plans a lot of Christmas Eves. I really bet you do. Normally, I go and hang out with my family on Christmas Eve. But this year, Christmas fell on, a, on Sunday. So we said, well, let's do Christmas Eve service. So what we ended up doing with my side of the family is Christmas Eve Eve. All right, okay, well, that's a new one. And everybody really liked it, too. We might keep that one going because it made Christmas Eve like more relaxed. Normally, there's some chaos at the Combs house, but Christmas Eve Eve. Why would we do that? Why would we come out? Okay, I might, I might give the Lord you know, some of my time, but this relationship, this thing that He's promised, this unto you, it should be life-changing. It's not just merely, hey, once a year we're going to talk about the incarnational gift of Christ. No, it's every single day of my life, God has done something miraculous in me. This is a relationship that I, that I want to grow in every moment of every day, not just once or twice a year. That Christ has come. This word Christ in verse 11, the anointed one, the Messiah. And it says this will be a sign for you that he will be... In a crib that you'll find him not on a royal throne, but in a bed of straw. Here's Jesus, the sacrifice, and his sacrifice is relational. This is why one of his many names is Emmanuel, God with us. This is what Matthew chapter 1 says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So as believers, if... <laughs> If we're saying this story is more than just a story to us, it involves me. Unto me, Christ has come. Unto me, I am changed. God has done something miraculous in me. That means now my life should look different. <laughs> that Christianity is no longer a religion to me, but a relationship. A relationship that affects me on a day-to-day. -day. It makes me think, when it comes to this time of year, talking about relationships, thinking relationally, I can think back on a lot of Christmases I spent with either side of my family. And I would just encourage you for a moment, just consider what it was like when you were preteen. Just think back, like, what would you do every year? We, we kind of had some traditions. We would go see my mom's parents first at Christmas. As soon as we got out of school, we'd go up to Roanoke, Virginia, the Roanoke area, to Bent Mountain up there, and go up. And we'd spend three days with them shooting guns, creating havoc, roaming through the woods, like 
They had a great setup up there on Bent Mountain. No one hardly lived up there. And we'd open presents together. And my, my papa was quite, quite a, uh, the, the kind of person that just pranks people. A real prankster. Would, would whoopee cushion you almost, you better be ready. Like he just loved that slapstick stuff. He, there'd be whoopee cushions everywhere in the house. He loved to scare you too. He'd put mannequins in the bathrooms. Like you'd go, and this is a little bit much, but you'd go to take a shower, and you know that's a delicate moment, right? You're already, you're not, and you're, you're, you're unclad, right? And so you open up the shower curtain, and there's a mannequin looking at you, and you're like, that's not, I, I didn't want to see that. And, and I just told you all I was jumpy. I mean, I'd be in there like, and running, and, and he'd be up. He'd be just outside the door listening because it gave him such joy to prank you. What I would give to see my papa. What I would give. He's with the Lord Jesus now. So is my nana on that side. All of my grandparents are on with Christ now. None of them are here anymore. So right after that, we would go to Bristol, Virginia, where I'd hang out with my nanny and all my uncles and aunts. And we'd shoot off fireworks. I can remember times we shot fireworks in the city of Bristol. It's not legal. And just firing off fireworks underneath the, the porch area. My Uncle Donnie fired one off that literally ricocheted, almost went in the house. And those are the things I remember. I can't hardly remember, remember a single gift I was given. You see where I'm going with this? Like, as a kid, if you look back, you don't remember a lot of what you were given, but you remember those people. And you remember those places and those, those magical times you spent together. That's, I believe, what Christ calls us to. To a relational type of gift. That He has first done in us. He's a representative. He's shown us what right looks like. But now what we should be about, especially at this time of year, is building relationships. That we should be like Him. Imitate Christ. That we would build relationships. I've heard this before. But, and it may sound cheesy to you, but it's a good, it's a good way to focus this time of year. Spend less on presence and more on presence rather than the T-S, the C-E. Take more time this year. I know over the next few days, you are going to see family members. You're going to see people. You're going to maybe have parties. You're going to have wonderful times. And maybe there's going to be a few people on that journey that you're like, oh, you know, I could do without seeing crazy uncle this year. But, and some of you are there. You're going to experience those kind of things. I just want to encourage you. You won't always have these opportunities. There will be times in the future where you won't get to see these people every time. And those are the things I cherish now. So the Lord's working on my heart for sure. But I want to encourage you with that. Spend more time on relationships this Christmas. Here's the third gift. He's sacrificial. He's relational. And he's an incarnational gift. He's an incarnational gift. This word incarnation is the idea of to take on flesh. It's a Latin word. Carne means flesh. It means to take on flesh. That God who was spirit would take on flesh. Christ is the Logos as we spoke last week. John chapter 1 talks about the Word made flesh, the incarnation. We read this last week. It says in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. And it goes on in verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld His glory Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. The way that the shepherds respond immediately after what we read tonight with the children, I want to read it for you as kind of a closing thought. 
In verse 15 through 18, it says, When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. All who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. This is what the shepherds did with what they saw. They told everybody. (laughs) All who heard it. The shepherds became not just a part of the story. They became heralds, if you will, of the story. They became messengers of this great news. Christian, the incarnational gift of Christ... He's now charged us to do the same. We imitate Him in not only the the idea of sacrificial living and the relational aspect, but also this idea that the incarnational gift of Christ is now us. (laughs) That His mechanism for reaching the nations is us. I've often wondered this. God, why didn't you just do all of it yourself? I'll be honest, I know God's a better preacher. I know he is. I know he's a better evangelist. I know he can do signs and wonders. He does them all the time. I know God would be the most amazing evangelist. And yet, he decided to send us. Go and make disciples of all nations. So that the incarnational gift of Christ would be us to the world. And at, that, at this time of year, let's do, at a bare minimum, let's be like the shepherds. Who said, hey, look. There's, there's a story here in Luke 2. It's an amazing story, and I'm part of it, and so are you. Unto you is born this day a Savior. It would be enough for us to just be like the shepherds this season. Amen? Let's be a part of that, the incarnational gift of Christ. How do we enter the story and receive Him as an incarnational gift? By living as, as we should, by His Spirit, living incarnationally too. This is what Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 1. He said, God wanted His people throughout the world to know the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ living in you, giving you the hope of glory. Rediscover the story, the greatest story of all, the good news of Jesus, that He offers Himself to us, sacrificially, incarnationally. We are the body and the hands, and the feet of Christ to the world. Let's pray together now, church. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you love us. As John wrote in 1 John, he said, it's not that we first loved you, but that you first loved us. And that's so true. The reason we're here for Christmas, the reason we're celebrating, the reason that there's, there's joy to the world is not our doing. It's all you. And that's the greatest kind of gift. The kind of gift that not only could we not produce, not only can we not imitate, but you gave it freely. What a great gift you are to us, God. Help us now as we look towards tomorrow, as we wake up tomorrow with family and we eat way too much over the next few days, more than likely, Lord, help us to not forget the joy the great gift that you've given. Help us to live like these shepherds. Help us to live like Mary and Joseph, like the disciples and apostles of old, who were completely 
shaken by the story of Christ. We're completely, their lives completely changed by the gospel. God, I pray for us that, that we would be imitators of, of you, as Paul was, as the disciples were, that we would be the kind of people who would take very seriously the gospel, that it would be incarnational in our life, that we would take more time with people, we wouldn't rush every conversation. God, that especially over the next few days, you would give us opportunities for the gospel. I want so very much in my life, Lord, that you would allow me to be like one of the shepherds, that I might just be able to tell the story. And more than that, the story of my life and what you've done in me. God, do that in us. Give us opportunities and help us to be great messengers for the gospel. Help us to live incarnationally with our coworkers, with our friends, with our family. God, bless us this Christmas season. But more than that, Lord, let your glory be revealed. Let people worship you that don't worship you yet. Let people come to know you that haven't experienced you yet. God, do that and do it through us if it's your will, God. We pray that in your mighty name. In Jesus' name, amen.